0: Hi there, this is Watchin', and you are now listening to the I Choose the Ladder podcast, a podcast for Black women on the corporate climb. This episode is brought to you by The Review Planner. For many of us, performance review season is about to begin. For many of us, it's also a challenge to remember all of the things that we've done during the year. So what happens is our performance reviews become a one-way conversation where our managers are telling us what they think we did during the year And without proof of our performance, it becomes incredibly hard for us to advocate for that raise, promotion, or new position that we know we deserve. So I created the Review Planner because I always wanted a tool like this, a systematic way to track all of our career accomplishments that are specifically tied to the feedback and growth areas that our managers are measuring our success by. The Review Planner helps you create a schedule for your career growth and it makes it easy to focus on the goals that you have throughout the year. With email templates, monthly checklists, built-in accountability and reminders, the planner keeps you on track to accomplish your goals and ensures you are spending your time on the things that actually move your career forward. I designed the review planner to help you focus on your career and prepare for your annual review so you can confidently speak up for yourself and earn what you deserve. To learn more about The Review Planner, head to thereviewplanner.com. Again, that's thereviewplanner.com and pre-order yours today. In this episode, you meet Sandra Hurst, affectionately known as Sandy. Sandy is the Managing Director and Chief Human Resources Officer at GCM Grosvenor. She also serves on the ESG Committee in the Diversity and Inclusion Governing Committee. Prior to joining GCM Grosvenor, Ms. Hurst held various positions at Bank of America, most recently serving as Global Head of Human Resources for Corporate and Investment Banking. Previously, Ms. Hurst also held leadership roles in talent management and talent acquisition at Goldman Sachs and J.P. Morgan Chase. She received her Bachelor's of Business Administration and Finance from Bernard M. Baruch College and her Master of Business Administration and Marketing from the University of Michigan. Ms. Hurst serves as a corporate board member for the Harlem School of the Arts. When you listen to this interview with Sandy, you understand how the wealth of wisdom and knowledge that she has, um, has allowed her to sit in the seats and occupy the spaces um, that she currently occupies. And I'm just blown away by how generous she is with sharing the information and giving some tangible um, things that we can all think about and do as we navigate corporate as black women in this space. So as always, Grab your shoes, a ladder notebook, your favorite pen, and get ready to get to work. Hi, Sandy. Thank you so, so much for being on the podcast today.
1: Watching. I am so excited to be here and thank you so much for having me and looking
0: forward to our discussion. Um, so first things first, you were at the climb career summit. Everyone's obsessed with Sandy. People are like, "Can you give me her email address?" And like, "No, find her on LinkedIn or something." Um, but <laughs> <laughs> the 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 current industry that you work in isn't necessarily known for you know having a lot of women who are in leader positions of leadership or having black women. So for you, how, what was your first? job into corporate? Well, we'll understand like how you ended up in this industry, in this space. But like, do you remember like growing up, did you wanna be in corporate America? Did your family stress having a certain type of job? Like how does this happen? Yeah, so look, my
1: family did not stress a certain type of job. What they stressed was education. My parents were, um, you know, my family is from the Caribbean. My parents left Jamaica, went to England where I was born and made a very conscious decision to leave the UK and come to the US because of educational opportunities for their children. So, for me in my life growing up, it wasn't about if you were going to college; it was when. It wasn't if you were going to get a master's degree; it was when. So all of that was kind of, you know, just, um, you know, built up that way. And being an obedient middle child, I did exactly, you know, what my parents expected and wanting wanted me to do. And I think I was always very interested in numbers and math. In the beginning in my life, I thought I was gonna go work at an insurance company and be an actuarial and, you know, kind of do all of the 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 the, the statistics work behind um, you know, life insurance and and that kind of thing. And I went off to college, went to Baruch College in New York, which, you know, my family we didn't know about Ivy Leagues and that kind of thing and got a fine education and was just very very much drawn to the markets, right? And drawn to finance and and numbers and so I started out in a role as a, you know, financial planning and analysis analyst, right? A business analyst, which was great because it rounded me and I supported and learned about all of the analysis that we did behind the businesses um, you know, of a credit card company at Citigroup. So, so much of it was less about knowing exactly what I wanted to do, but where I wanted to be.
0: So then were your parents in corporate at all? No, no the exact opposite.
1: It was about education. My dad was a laborer my mom was a nurse, right? So it's not about corporate. I did not grow up with the Wall Street Journal um, at my table. But what I will say was, you know what? My dad gave me responsibility for doing our monthly bills very early on. You know, when I was nine, 10 years old, I was getting that opportunity to understand how we budgeted Mm -hmm. as a family. The other part that was important, and this is a very sort of Caribbean thing, my family did a lot of what we call susu, right? And that was the way in which they were able to put, you know, dollars together. I don't think my parents made more than $100,000 between the two of them, you know, our entire lives. And they grew up, you know, they were able to basically raise all of their kids, buy a home, buy a second home, uh, build a retirement home, and help us all with our education and our schooling. So, you know, again, I, I attribute that to being very vassal with their with their with their spending and their and their budget. And one of the things for me, And you know, you saying that kind of brings that to life for me. it was it was probably more impactful than I know, right? In terms of being the person in the house helping them um with their bills and budgeting. And that was deliberate, I think, by my dad because he wanted me to understand how finances work right that's the beginning
0: of you know debits and credits you know is balancing um a checkbook and so we know now the importance of like mentorship and sponsorship and for a lot of not a lot but for people who have parents who may have a background in corporate there's a little bit more of a built-in network right that you can access having come from a different background where i feel like your parents instilled the values in you that are necessary to be successful in corporate. How did you bridge that mentorship gap or find people, if you did, to help you figure out what this world on the other side looks like?
1: So a little bit of, in the beginning, stumbling my way through it, to be honest, right? Stumbling my way through it. And now I kind of define it as luck. And a lot of people know me as where luck is really where preparation and opportunity meet. And the one part of that that I always controlled, and I think this is something that was built in me, is whatever I was doing, do it in an excellent way, right? And so that, you know, people were building a team or I was talking to someone, I was able to effectively articulate what it is that I was doing and how I was doing it and talk about my contribution. So for lack of a better term, my elevator pitch before it even became coined, an elevator pitch, but understanding who I was, what I did and what my contributions are or were in a given situation and being able to talk about that and talk about that both. And I listened to one of your other podcasts watching and someone talked about the importance of being able to communicate both verbally and in a written way, right? Mm -hmm. Being able to write, um, that is extremely important. So being able to, to do that and tell your story and tell What role you played in things, and I think once people hear that, they think about opportunities. You know, kind of come about, and you have to be willing to take risk. And you know, it wasn't always where you know what it was two steps forward. Sometimes it was a step to the side. I would say that you know, when I think about it, there are a lot of people who kind of hit their stride when they're in their thirties, early forties, right. For me, it's it's a bit later, right? It's, it's later on. And I think, quite frankly, that happens for a lot of women, right? And in particular, women of color, because the opportunities may not come pouring in in the beginning. And sometimes, if, especially if you switch careers, right? I started out in finance and marketing, and I call myself the accidental HR person. <laughs> and so, you know, for me, but it was a, a great uh move for me and it fed my soul as well because I also got to help people who looked like me and help to, you know, for people who were interested to sidestep some of the 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 potholes that I stepped in, mm. right? And really bring it, bring,
0: pay it forward in 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 that way. So as you think through like your career, right? We talked in the last podcast episode about the career story and people trying to figure out how they make the different pieces of their careers make sense. So as you think, like, what's the through line of your career? What's something that has been, that has always been consistent about you and the work that you do, regardless of the company or the industry that you've worked for? Because I think people are, you know, with the what's happening with the job market, people are starting to think about, you know, how they can articulate and what actually matters um, when they talk about their career. So if you think through the through line of your career, like, what would you say that is? I think it's two things
1: taking risks right it's not always going to be come exactly the way that you think it's going to to happen mm-hmm. and with that right and i should say taking calculated risks right and that is is smart and being thoughtful about opportunities and sometimes it may not fit exactly with what you think your next step is going to be it may not even be a, something that's going to tap into excuse me, all of your, 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 the, the skills, right. That you've built in your quiver, but someone's asking you to do this because there is a trust that you can do it. Right. So sometimes it's jumping in and taking, taking that risk. And with that tied into that, it's about relationships, right. And building relationships. And I say, look, it's really, really, really important. I set aside time in my calendar every single week, no matter how busy I am, to make sure that I'm nurturing one or two relationships. And that can be as simple as I saw an article and I'm sending it to someone, or I'm reaching out to someone who I've met and, you know, whether it's me coaching them, them coaching me. So it's up and down and sideways, but relationships are key. And I always say to people, how you leave a job or an opportunity, how you tie things out is really, really important because you have one reputation and that is it.
0: Um, so one of the things that we talked about um, that you talked about is like adding value, right? So when you're nurturing those relationships, you're finding something that is valuable to the person that you are talking to or that you are trying to to nurture or build a relationship with. I think we've seen that, you know, when it comes to mentorship and sponsorship, it's challenging for some black women, right? We tend to mentor people and sponsor people who look like us. And so as People as Black women are thinking about how to build those relationships, like any best practices, any words of advice that you could give to someone who feels like they need that to get to the next level, but don't necessarily know how to go about cultivating those relationships.
1: Yeah, and I look, I, I, I'm I'm a realist on this, right? There's elements that you absolutely can control, right? Because what I don't want people to feel like if I'm not finding mentorship or I'm not finding sponsorship, that it's all about you and you're doing something wrong. Because that's not the case. Sometimes, like I said, it's just time and space. So I I will start there. But you want to find it and you want to position yourself in the best way to get it. So to me, at some of this is really understanding value creation in the organization that you're in how is value created and then how do you think about how you can help to augment that value and sometimes that might be in your current line just making sure what you're doing is absolutely um, excellent and that you're adding value there but outside of that it may be raising your hand for special projects right which is more work but it's raising your hand or having a point of view and perspective on something, and thinking that through, and that's really, really important because sometimes it could be your boss. It, usually, a sponsor is your boss's boss, or your boss's boss, right? A, a, you know, a couple of levels above you. Because what you want those people to know you, right, so that they can and know your work and the value that you add so that they can talk about you in those rooms that you're not in. Mm-hmm. And that is not, it's not easy to do. It's not easy to happen when you aren't, you know, when you are not in the majority of the way that we are. And you, you you have to think about how you build those relationships. And I would say the way to do that is raising your hand for that extra assignment, right? And sometimes it comes down to this isn't the place right now. You could be doing a great job and you have to think about those moments, right, of of, of pivoting and those moments of when you need to say, okay, I need to do this differently. And I'm going to pause and tell a quick start, story here um, where I was in a, a role and at a company that I loved my role, right? And I loved what I was doing. I got a lot of great feedback on the work that I was doing, but I knew in the back of my mind, number one, I wanted to be a head of HR somewhere. And more importantly, I also wanted to be a managing director and I needed, I felt like I paid my dues and I, you know, put enough in and that should be recognized. Well, I found out through my relationships that I wasn't going to be supported that year. And wasn't anything about the work that I was doing or that I could have done this differently or that differently. The person who was making that decision made another choice. And I was okay with that. I was sort of like a little devastated. Maybe I wasn't okay, but I got my head wrapped around it. And I said, okay, I can sit here and wait for the next cycle. But then I thought to myself, you know what? I would not be happy about it. And I probably would figure out some self-sabotage here in some way because I'd just be... Unhappy or angry about it. Mm-hmm. And what I did was then leverage my network and I found a different path. And the thing for me or the measurement for me was that, you know, when it all washed out five or six years later, the person that was supported by the organization moved to a head of HR job within months after I had moved into a head of HR job. Right. So the point was, I took a different path and it was a difficult one, but sometimes you have to take that risk and really sometimes know when it's time to move on.
0: So that leads to my next question. Right. I think we, there's a, we did a thing on Instagram a couple of weeks ago saying that, like, I think one of the challenges is that we don't know when to let go. Right. We don't know. We get comfortable, we get, you know, people know us, the the thoughts of like the lies that we tell ourselves, right? Like I'm too old to start over. I don't wanna build, I can't learn, I can't do all these things. So for you, how do you think of, how do you know when it's time to move on to your next opportunity? And then how do you get your mind wrapped around doing what it is? what is required to actually secure that next opportunity? You gotta look inside, right?
1: And you have to, I I think one of the things that's really important is self-awareness, right? And I am resilient, right? Because I will bang my head against the wall a couple of times and just know, right? That I need to keep moving forward. And one of the things is you can't take things personally. And I know sometimes that's really hard but many times it's not about you, right? It's about other moving pieces in the organization. And sometimes it just doesn't work. And so you have to look inside and really say, what am I? What do I want? Right. And be very clear on that. You don't have to be clear on exactly the steps you take to get there because usually you will zigzag your way there. But what is it that I want? Right. And who are those people that are in those seats and roles that I am interested in? So many times I talk to people and they're like, well, you know, I want to be in the C suite. Well, what does that mean? Right. What does it mean to be a CEO of a, you know, marketing company, a CEO of a media company? What was the path, right? And I've prided myself, and this may be part of partially why I've ended up in HR, is understanding the path, right, that others have taken before me, be that in my professional life, be that in my personal life. Mm -hmm. So understanding that is important. And if you are feeling that where you are, you are treading water, then it's time to move on because the one commodity here is time, right? So I hear your point. It's never too, you're never too old to start over, but you don't want to waste time, right? And that doesn't mean if it's not working in six months, you're out the door. You want to invest right? Because that's how you get the return on that investment. But after a while, you're just throwing, you know, the old adage throwing good money after bad, maybe now you're just wasting your time. So Mm -hmm. I don't think there is a, you know, specific moment, but you will know it inside and you want to talk to others. And if people who you, the roles that you're striving for, and you aren't seeing yourself really advanced towards that, then you've got to move and pivot. And, but the thing that you must do is do that introspection of the situation and of yourself, right? To understand why it didn't work because what you don't want to do is walk away and go somewhere else and find that you're repeating the same mistakes.
0: Mm. Um, one of the things that comes up a ton that um, we try to solve through is uh, when people feel stuck, right? And feel like they don't have, Um, whether it be the tools or the resources or an understanding of what that first step is to getting unstuck. So can you think back of a time in your career, maybe it was earlier on, maybe it was recently, where you felt stuck and like, what are some concrete things that you did or concrete questions that you asked yourself that allowed you to at least get a little bit of forward momentum?
1: Yeah, look, the first thing is that I want to get out of bed and go to that opportunity, go to the office every single day, right? What did that look like and feel like, and, and, and the piece being, and this may be the pivot, right? For me was when I made the move from marketing into HR, because a part of that was, I was feeling not as motivated as I should be, or wanted to be, and felt like there was something missing, right? And I was kind of like start just treading water. And I knew that there was, something better that would keep me energized and sparked, right? Because it's about what I'm passionate about. So sometimes people say, find your passion. I think it's a bit overused a little bit, but you have to have some sort of energy towards what you're doing. And so I would say, you know what, pick up a different skill, right? you know, dig deeper, you know, so much, there's so much you can do online and virtually now, right? Is there a, is there, you know, some sort of, um, you know, leadership development course or some sort of skill, right? Functional skill type program or effort that you need to do to help to get you unstuck mm. because that has to come from inside because every single day, right? It's hard to walk into, an office, right, and be motivated if you are feeling stuck. And sometimes that stickiness or being stuck, that to your earlier question, that may be an indication of that it's time to
0: move on. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the things that we've talked about, we touched on briefly, right, is the power of relationships. I think for Black women, feeling like they don't want to share too much of themselves at work or they don't want to because people don't understand the culture. They don't want to talk about what they did in the weekends because you know certain things are more socially acceptable. Um, how have you decided how much of Sandy you share with your colleagues?
1: So, so I'll be very clear. I've gotten more comfortable with sharing more of myself, the more senior I've become. So I don't want to pretend like it's it's, you know, you walk in um and and you should share everything but you should figure out as you would in building any relationship right some of that is really about um having you know very very authentic conversations and so what part of your life right can you, do you feel like you want to share so yes, you don't want you don't have to come in. I would say this for any, anyone, right? Regardless of your background, you don't need to come in and share every single detail of your life. But there are things, right? Did you go to a museum? Did you see a movie? What, you know, think about the elements that, you, you know, you can share and take the cues sometimes from people around you, right? But you do have to, be vulnerable. And with that becomes, you know, where people connect, because at the end of the day, it's all about relationships. So there's, you know, I always say to people, no, you don't want to come in and, you know, we, I'll speak for myself, my family, there's, you know, sometimes drama. I'm not coming to work and sharing that part of my life, but I can come to work and share, you know, uh, talk about a book I've read, right. Or talk about, a movie or talk about that, you know what, one of the things I tend to share, and maybe sometimes people might think this is oversharing, but you know what, therapy is something that is very important to me. And I always joke about it and say, hey, you know, I do therapy every week. It's a great way for me to close off the week from work and kick into the weekend so my mind is clear and I have a really good share of mind as I move in to, you know, the following week of work. Mm -hmm. And I don't think people find that intimidating. It actually opens people up to talk about what they do in their lives to cope with the stresses of work, which I think is something that everyone can relate to. But then people do kind of think that's sort of like authentic, right, and vulnerable for me to share something like that. So it's those moments that matter. And yeah, we do have to be careful and thoughtful that we're not out there sharing Every aspect of our lives, but you'd be surprised. I think more and more people now, through watching Blackish and other shows, right, feel like they know the Black experience, right? And I think that there has been definitely, you know, more of, you know, our culture that you know people want to learn more about or hear more about and whether that is you know from cooking and and other things but whatever it is make sure that you are real about it and
0: you know what don't share too much Mm -hmm. um so really quickly i have two thoughts that are happening around trying to decide which question uh makes okay so we'll talk about coping with the stresses of work so what i think everyone thinks that they aspire to sit in your seat What would they be surprised to know that it takes to be able to sit in your seat?
1: Yeah, so look, I, I I have a thing and I, I learned this probably, I would say the last five years of my career, you know, just senior people have lots of stresses as well. I would say even more stresses, right? Because at the end of the day, there's a bit more at stake. The more you move up in an organization, the more there is at stake. And so understanding that the struggle doesn't stop because you've now ascended to be you know, the head of HR, right? Or the CEO, there's just a different set of pressures that come with those seats and roles. Mm-hmm. Mm. right so to me it is extremely important that you have a clear mind and clear thought process in terms of what you are doing and how you think about it so i can't stress enough right the importance right of self care and taking care of yourself right and your <laughs> well-being so that is exercise that is meditation, yoga all of those things that are important right I think to have make sure that your mind and body right are in the best place possible. your mental state is hugely important because you know I would say to people the pressures are you know double or triple what you have when you're sitting at in lower rungs in the organization because all of a sudden you're responsible for everything. Are, you know, horizontally. It's not just one particular area. Yes, it's a particular area of HR as a function, but I'm responsible for everything. I think about going into COVID, all of a sudden, no matter what, right, the well-being of the employees of our organization, everyone at that leadership table looked to me, right? And Sandy, you know, what do you think we should do? How should we do this? Right, and then getting the feedback to ensure what we were doing was working and being well received so I would say, you know, it's great to sit in the seat, but it's also comes with a lot of pressure and a
0: lot of responsibility. Mm Um, and we've talked about this before, but I don't think that people really understand like what the function of HR is within a company. So as people are listening, how should they think about their HR department in relation to their career or their time within an organization? Yeah. So look,
1: I think HR has evolved over over time and good HR is a, is really about good people and talent management. Right, with that, I would say the basics of HR have to happen. The HR operations piece—you have to get people paid, you have to get them their benefits, all of those kinds of things. Because no one wants to hear about talent and leader leadership and 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 um, you know succession planning if we're struggling how to make sure we're executing on making sure people get their paychecks every week, right? So the operations have to be in place. HR should be. And good HR is about developing talent in the organization. It is about having a seat at the table and being able to talk about talent, but within the context, right, of how it fits into the organization and the business of being commercial and adding to the bottom line. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing, the, the dialogue that... I have become very good at having, right? And to me, it's about having the best people in those seats at any given time. And part of that means, right, by virtue of that, and I'm a firm believer, you know, where you see studies by McKinsey and other places, it says, you know, you get better results when you have a diverse, group of professionals, right? Better outcome, better profits. So when I sit at that table, that's my goal, right? And that's what I represent in terms of how we should be thinking about talent. And that's not just about hiring the right talent. It's about how do you make sure that there's opportunity for people to grow and climb, Mm -hmm. right? And that doesn't always mean, again, that you are going up in an organization, but you can go sideways and gain a lot of skills. Mm-hmm. Right? So how do you think about your career? And my job is to partner with managers in an organization to make sure that they understand how to do that, that mm-hmm. they feel comfortable coaching people, being an inclusive manager and developing opportunity for the talent in the organization because there's not enough HR people within an organization to ensure that happens. So you have to train managers to be able to do that. And I really think that's the inflection point in organizations who can find a way to build good managers at scale are going to be the winners.
0: Mm. So there's been a lot of conversation around, you know, diverse hiring and with everything that's going on in the world and the importance, and we had the data before, but I think right now it's just at the forefront of everyone's mind. And there's a fear, right? That this is just a moment where it's like the right thing to do for organizations to check the box. And it's not really going to be a sustained anything, right? We'll just go back to what it used to be. And so a lot of people are trying to figure out how to navigate and make the most of however long this window is going to last. And so as young black women, people of color, people in general are thinking about how they make the most of what is happening right now in terms of like career progression, what would you say should be at the forefront of their minds?
1: Yeah. So look, I I, I think it, it it's a moment and you want to take advantage of the moment. And when the moment passes, right, you still want to take what you have gotten out of this and figure out how to, how to continue the dialogue and discussion. I'll admit that's easier said than done. But today you want to, this is an Absolute ideal time to say, okay, am I in the right seat for myself? If I'm not, I need to speak up and let people know if that is what I want and need from the organization today that I'm in, or if I'm ready to move on to something else, right? Which could be a great opportunity as well because there is so much demand out there. But make sure that you're not jumping out of what do you call the frying pan into the fire. Do your research, do your homework. On this right, because we are in demand right now, Mm -hmm. right, and 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 so take full advantage of that, and that can be whether or not it's having a conversation in your current situation and understanding that you're being remunerated in the right way, and you people are clear on what you want your path to be, Mm -hmm. and if you don't feel like you can get that where you are, this is a good opportunity to look somewhere else. If there's another opportunity that aligns with what what you what 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 you want, but I would say it is that point you made. It is about seizing the moment and the opportunity.
0: You have to define what that is for you. Mm. Um, one of the things that has been that it actually drives me insane that has been popularized, I think, in the last five years is like you want to show up as your authentic self, like show up to work as you. Um, and one of the the ways that I think it um It manifested as like black hair, right? Like there's, I see a lot more women, black women, right? We, I think I was on a conference call and everybody had braids, which never would have happened, you know, maybe like five years ago. Do you think that corporate in general, right? Not specific industry is becoming more open or accepting of people showing up as their authentic work self, right? Like you're not bringing everything, like you said, you're not talking about family drama and all that stuff, but how do you think about your care and how you appear in corporate physically? And do you feel like we're getting to a place where people can just be themselves?
1: Yeah, look, I think corporate's relaxed overall for everyone a bit, right? If you think about now business casual, right? It used to be just casual Fridays. Now to some extent, and I think we can thank the tech industry for that, right? It's kind of found itself in 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 other companies and other organizations, right? So look, I think whatever you're doing, you just need to be put together, right? And make sure that your hair or whatever you're wearing, you're neat, right? And that's that doesn't just apply to us, right? I used to see, you know, young white women walk into the office with their hair that, you know, that wasn't blow dried, it's just wet, and it's sitting there. And people kind of like, well, what's going on here? So similarly, you want to make sure that you are, you know, well put together, as you as, as you walk in. And, And now I think there is, a lot more acceptance of hair that is natural because we found so many things to do with our hair braids look amazing and can be put up or people can wear them down you know take the cue right from the organization that you're in look up many times you won't see you know a lot of people who look like us ahead of us but but take the cues right because i've seen where you know, on the trading floor, right, where used to people would wear bow ties and almost wear like look like, you know, skirt suits that were men's suits, right. And that was the way to go. Today, you see people, you know, wearing heels and just having a different vibe and view. So I think it's come down a bit. But look, I always say I always practice, I don't want to be sort of too forward leading. But I think today, we can fit right in with natural hair, now be ready. People are gonna ask you questions, right? And you can choose that to be a moment of where you're like, oh man, why they're asking me about this? But you can also look at, view it as the glass half full and have a conversation about it because many times there's no malintent. It's a question that's being asked. And I think sometimes just sharing it and it's another point of connection if you feel like someone is somehow another being rude or being disingenuous, but I find that not to be the case many times. People just really want to know. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, you mentioned earlier a, a key part of the work of HR. So your work is being able to communicate with a variety of people from a bunch of different backgrounds, because you have to get everybody on the same page as to what the organization is trying to accomplish in terms of retention and um, getting new talent. So how do you think about communication in your communication style, right? I think in your role, you probably have to be pretty direct so that there is no ambiguity in, like, in terms of expectation. But then there's also the stereotype of like, not wanting to be too direct because you don't want to be seen as an angry black woman or too aggressive or too whatever it might be that's attributed to how you choose to communicate. So in working with a variety of people over the course of your careers for different sizes of organizations, how have you thought about your communication style and has it changed as you become more senior?
1: Yeah, so look, I've always been very direct. <laughs> and it's, it's 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 just who I am, right? I can't I can't help myself. Maybe it's a Sagittarius in me. I'm not sure what it is, right? But I am I am I'm, I'm pretty direct. And usually people know where where um it stands, where they stand with me and where I stand on a particular right. issue. But one of the things that I have tried to do over time is to temper that a bit because what I've realized is I've gotten more senior in the orga- in, in, in organizations is that when I say something and the more senior you are, people take it as sort of gospel and don't want to come back. So I have found where I'm saying, here's my view on this. If you feel differently, please let me know. So it's about having sort of... um. Um, finding ways to um, what's the word I'm looking for? Finding ways to basically uh, temper, right, my directness by inviting other opinions to it. And just really saying and acknowledging that, you know what, people can think that I can be very direct and very strong in my opinion. So I say, hey, look, I can come off this way. So give somebody some insight into who I am, doesn't mean that I don't want to hear your perspective. Mm
0: -hmm. So many
1: times in meetings, right, I will say that in particular, when I'm meeting, um, you know, people who are junior to me in when I'm in the room with, Uh, my contemporaries of others, you know, the CEO, the CFO and others, I find that they appreciate the directness. Now, the one thing I will say, it's the body language for me. Usually my face, facial expressions will give away that I am like, what are you talking about? Why are you saying that? So I try very hard to keep a poker face. Because I know many times, right, when someone's talking and I think they're saying something that's, you know, utterly ridiculous or I don't agree with, I can tend to show that. <laughs> so I have now really, you know, tried to maintain where, or I wear a smile or something like that. But again, this is about understanding yourself. A great investment you talked about earlier and what you can do when you're feeling, you know, stuck a little bit some of it is investing in, you know, a communications, couple of communication sessions, right? Where today being videotaped, how are you coming across on Zoom and other things, all things you can do for yourself, right? Mm-hmm. To get your, your communication style. It's not changing it, it's basically sharpening it and honing it. So if they're places where you think you can do better, do better. And if there are places where you are already good, figure
0: out how to take that to the next level. Mm. Um, And then speaking about that. So one of the, I think that, especially if you're first generation in corporate, there are a lot of unwritten rules that you just don't know until you know them until you learn them. And so are there and think about this holistically over the course, since you started managing people, um, are there mishaps or mistakes that you see commonly that black women are making, and they may not know that they're making it, that could potentially have negative consequences for their careers?
1: Yeah, so look, so as much as we value you know, people talk a lot about diversity. And when you sit in, you know, organizations today, people come from different backgrounds and everything else, but there are these organizational norms, MRAs that are just there. So number one, right? I mean, I say this to young people, we actually would do classes on this for and do um, training sessions on this, is if you're going out to dinner, not that we're doing a lot of that now for business dinner, know what fork to use. Right. I literally under the table to this day, use my fingers and do (laughs) under the table. Exactly. So I know which is, which glass is mine and which bread plate and on, and and you do that. Right. And you find those tricks, right. Of the trade to understand how to, you know, navigate at a business dinner. Right. Um, Understanding, you know sometimes you don't want to be no matter what in in the in the organization you don't want to be known as the gossip in the organization that's not anything about being a black woman that's just something you don't want to do right and so some of the the same way that you build relationships and the standards that you have for relationships that translates to your work environment for sure understand how things get done how are meetings run Right. So a meeting. Right. No one would ever have anything to say if you, you know, go to a meeting with an agenda, even if it is an informal meeting. Right. Having an agenda for a meeting is a good thing. Understand that even if it's three points that you're just jotting down. Right. Even if it's informal and saying, hey, here are just the topics I think we should cover. Wow, automatically people will automatically appreciate that. If you're meeting with your boss, either send him an sending him or her an agenda, you know, agenda a few hours before, or even say in the beginning, here are the four things I'm going to cover, versus having them in your head and kind of shooting them off one at a time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? So those are a little things, but yeah, there are lots of business etiquette courses that are out there. Another thing to absolutely invest in and, and take the time to arm yourself with before you, if you're younger in your career, and even if you're in the middle of your, your career, make sure you're observing, right? The rules, unquote culture and rules for your organization and make a decision, right? If you, you know, people who do better in these organizations are people who are willing to kind of align with, you know what the culture is of the organization. Mm-hmm. And if you don't find that's for you, then you're probably better off spending your time in another organization when you feel that culture better aligns to what it is that you're looking for.
0: Um and then the last thing before we get to the to the lightning round question. So you have a lot of demands on your time, but you are also like a human, right? So how do you think about Or some tangible ways in which you take care of yourself, even though you have all of this other stuff that's required of you and is expected of you in your professional life. I think managing being an ambitious woman with also wanting to like take care of yourself is something that we are starting to hear more people talk about and be more vocal about. So you mentioned therapy, um, but what are uh, some other ways that you found to take care of yourself? So therapy, I definitely exercise. That is something that is.
1: is really important to me. I'm not doing it as much as I, 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 I used to this right now with, with with COVID, right? I feel like our lives, even I'm working remotely and I feel like my life is work and more work and more work. And that's just because it's right there. There is no separation. Mm-hmm. So with that, I'm finding forcing myself to step out of my home and just take a walk right? To just kind of gather my thoughts and just settle my mind. And I've been trying to do a bit of meditation, right? Which is also another good way to settle settle my mind. And look, I don't have children, but I feel for, you know, moms that are at home who are working from home and also, you know, trying to be school teacher and parent at this time to, to, to their children and, and caregiver. For, for their families because you know no matter in a, you know studies show no matter how successful a woman is right the caregiving responsibilities majorly fall on our shoulders so you know my recommendation is to find a moment a quiet moment you know I have a girlfriend where her quiet moment is she's oh so Sandy I literally go into the bathroom and turn up the music right and that is my moment right where. You know, before 10 minutes before her, you know, seven-year-old is coming and knocking up the door, mommy, mommy, mommy. But that is her moment. So you, I think it's important to just find those moments. You you almost have to. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's another very real thing and a very w- real way to connect is to say to your boss, right? Who will get it? You know what? I just need to take, you know, this hour. I'm going to be not available for this hour or for this
0: afternoon or whatever it
1: is. Don't just disappear because that's the piece with communication. I'll circle back to that circle back to that, but they'll get it right. And just taking some time for yourself and figuring out what it is that that works. And sometimes it's kind of like I've gotten into, you know, a virtual drink with girlfriends too. Mm-hmm. You know, finding that way to to figure out what it is that's going to help to get you through this time because. I understand what feeds my soul and it's usually out and about with friends that isn't an option these days so finding other ways of of feeding your soul because you know part of being successful is people want to work with real people so it's more than just about the work right it's
0: also the human side of you that is important and then I, I'm sorry I lied so oh. last question for real this time because this comes up all the time so you're very senior in your career, you've earned it, right? You have all the receipts to validate um why it is that you sit in the seat that you sit in. But do you ever struggle with imposter syndrome? And it or have you ever? And if you have, what have you done to kind of wrap your mind around like I deserve to be here? Yeah,
1: look, I think I think it's human.
0: Right, every
1: single day and the day that I wake up and I'm like, I should just be here. And, you know, that's just not who I am. Right, and I find that humility, right, not hubris, right, is important. That doesn't mean you lack confidence, but you should always be questioning in my mind, right? Am I, you know, am I doing all the things that I can do to be the best that I can be in my role? One of the things that I've always practiced and I've led teams of, you know, in in recruiting of hundreds of people, you know, across the globe when I've worked at larger organizations and I've always said to my boss, I am always looking to hire the person who should take my job every single time. That is extremely important, right? Because at the end of the day, that's what keeps me getting better at what I do. So I never want to feel like, oh, you know what, I, I've settled. I've not worked for an organization yet where that is good enough because at the end of the day, I run HR, but you know what? All of a sudden now I'm responsible for all of our, excuse me, real estate and office services, right? So that's an expansion of my seat and my role. You know, did I know about leases and, and real estate leases and thinking about that? No but you learn and you grow and you develop. So to me, I think you're never at a point where you should feel comfortable. And one of the things I should say, because the environment that we work in is changing and shifting every single day. So you have to change and shift with that.
0: Got it, got it. Okay, so we're gonna go to the lightning round. Really the first thing that comes to mind, don't think about it too much. Mm -hmm. Um, So what's one piece of career advice you wish you had gotten early in your career? Take risk. Mm. What's a career lesson that took you the longest to learn, but has had the biggest impact on your career? Know when to move on. Um, What's one book that you could read over and over again? The Warmth of Other Suns. That's a good book. Um, So we all know that decisions about your career are made when you are not in the room. So what do you hope people are saying about you when you are not in the room? She's human. She's human.
1: And she knows how to build a relationship.
0: But it's, a, yeah,
1: and I, and I do want to say a little bit more. I know it's quick fire, but to me, it's about, I want people to feel that they know me. And the fact is, is that I have brought value to the organization with the work that I've done, but that I'm human, right? I'm a person. And that I I'm I'm real, you know, I I do try to bring as much of myself to my work as possible because I put so much into it. Mm-hmm. It's hard not to. And I think we all have to find that right balance for ourselves.
0: Got it. And on that note, Sandy, thank you so much for doing this. Um I am blown away always when I speak to you because you have so much wisdom. So thank you, thank you so much for your time
1: thank you for having me and i appreciate all the work that you're doing to help the community of black women who are out there striving to be their best selves
0: i told you all that sandy was amazing and she definitely did not disappoint in this conversation and you all know that i like to end every single episode with my top three gems from the conversation and so without further ado here we go the first thing People want to work with real people, so it's about more than just the work. I think as Black women sometimes we become nervous or we have anxiety about feeling like we're sharing too much of our lives or our culture with people who may not necessarily understand or who may judge it, but the reality of navigating a corporate career is that people want to work with and give opportunities with people who they feel like they know and that they can trust. And so finding ways to let people get to know the human side of you is going to have impacts on your career that you can not plan for right now. Right? It it is career changing. The second point was humility, not hubris is important. So while it is important to not believe your own hype, we've talked about this a bunch of times, I think it is perfectly okay to be proud of the work that you've done to sit in the seats that you have and the growth that you have accomplished over the course of your career. So yes, be humble, but also know that there's a place to brag a little bit about the things that you've done in a way that can um, can help you feel more confident and feel proud of the work that you've done. And I think the last thing, point three, I cracked up a little when she said, it's the body language for me and the work that she's done to be able to control her physical reactions to things that she may not agree with. I'm someone who it's always about the body language. Thinking back to one of my first reviews um, from a mentor who I still have a relationship with, he said, um, when you are angry about something or when you are um, uncomfortable about something or when you don't agree with something, we can see it all over your face and the entire company knows about it, which is something that you have to work on. And so that's a trait that I've been very intentional about making sure that I have a a level of control over. And so if you are like me, someone who you can tell all over my face what is um, what is happening with me internally. Um, having uh, that verbalized to see that it's not just me and have some tangible tips on how I can work to control that was, was big for me. Um, as always, if you wanna keep the conversation going, you can connect with us on Facebook or Instagram at I Choose the Ladder. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter by texting CLIMB, C-L-I-M-B to 66866. Again, that's CLIMB, C-L-I-M-B to 66866. And until next time, thank you for listening.